0: ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com
1: This is Orange Nation Stephen Pauly back with you here on a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation game day edition of the show QS in Pittsburgh to take on the Panthers again phone lines open the rest of hour number one at 315 Four three seven seventy six forty four. 76, 44. Great having Rob McClanahan on, uh, at the top of the show there, Paulie, uh, such an important story. And, and again, uh, for those listening who haven't had a chance to check out, uh, his post in the player's tribune, uh, from right before Christmas, uh, you want to do so. It's, uh, it's an inspirational story and I'm glad to hear, uh, he's doing well.
2: Yeah, it was a very good get, Steve. I, I didn't know we were going to have him on and I was pleasantly surprised.
1: How about some of those stories? (laughs) The fact that he went half a season wearing Pearl's number. (laughs) How did that slip through the cracks?
2: How about he then Uh, transferred into the number that would go to Carmelo Anthony eventually? Right,
1: Right. exactly. Um, All right, let's, uh, let's switch gears and talk about tonight's game. And, um, you know, this is an opportunity for Syracuse to get back on track and, uh, you know, get back to 500. It's a team that they just played last month and they, they beat them pretty handily. Uh, You know, Pittsburgh is, I guess statistically the worst shooting uh, team in the conference from three point range, got off to a good start uh, shooting the ball in the first meeting, but uh, SU's defense picked up in the second half and and they won by 16. Uh, What stands out to you uh, about this matchup tonight, Paulie?
2: Um, What stands out is I think Syracuse can win this game. You know, like I think they should win this game. There's not many games on the schedule that I think they should win. You should beat Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's one of the teams you should beat in the ACC and they need to do it again. I said this last time, you need to separate yourself from the bottom half of the league and beating Pittsburgh twice is a way of doing that. You need to beat the BCs, the Pittsburghs, and so on. You know, you don't want to be at the bottom of the league ever, no matter how bad the season is for you, right?
1: Yeah, and you know, you look at Pittsburgh. They're seven and twelve overall. They're two and six in conference play. They've played three games since coming to the dome. They're one and two in those games. They beat Louisville, uh, lost to Virginia, got hammered by Clemson. Um, yeah, this is absolutely a game that that Syracuse should win. Um, they're going to have to do it without Samir Torrance, though. And and again, um, you know, Jim Beheim sticks with his starters most of the time, but Saimir has been a guy that has, you know, provided a spark, let's say, over the course of the last three games, um, you know, looking at his stats. I mean, he's a, you look at his last three games, Polly. he's played an average of 18 minutes. He scored 12 points. He's dished out 12 assists. He's had one turnover uh in those right. three games. And he's, you know, he was starting to hit his stride. And it's unfortunate for him because, you know, he's a good kid. He was starting to get some time, starting to make an impact. And, and now this, we don't know how long he's going to be out for. We do know he's not playing tonight. Um so it's, you know, it's going to have an impact because he was, you know, he's been, he's been a positive uh, over the course of the last uh, few games in particular.
2: Right. You know, and there's also two sides to the ball, Steve, like everybody loves the backup. I say this every day. Everybody loves I think it was the Clemson game. He came in Syracuse jumped up seven points on him and then two consecutive defensive plays. He had threes hit right in front of him. It's, you know, there, there's two sides to the to every story, and he's played great offensively. He doesn't turn the ball over, he gets by his people. Yes, it's just, I think we love the hype of whoever's the backup needs to play more. And like, I'm looking at the Q Sports Talk chat and people are saying, is Patty Casey gonna play? No, you, like, if you're a fan and you wanna walk on to play, that's not smart. I'm sorry, I don't know how else to say that to you. Joe Girard will probably play Forty minutes tonight. The only way he's coming out is if he fouls out. And then I wouldn't even say that. You know, I, I don't know who the backup point guard is, but if you're clamoring for a walk on to get three minutes, you, the
1: you don't get the game. Well, and Jim Bayham's the one who brought up Patty Casey's name yesterday. So I, you know, you said you don't know. You know what would happen. My my guess is that. Buddy would bring the ball up the court, and they would move Cole to the to the two. That is my guess. I think Patty Casey would be there in an emergency situation. Jim Boeheim, Jim Boeheim didn't say that yesterday, but he did bring up Casey's name. He said he's a Division two player who you know he can play a little bit, and he, you know they they might be able to get a few minutes out of him if they had to. Right. Plan A is for Gerard to play all forty minutes. I would assume Plan B is you get by with Buddy bringing up the court, bringing the ball up the court, and getting him into their offense if they had to, and then plan C I would assume would be, you know, if you had to emergency situation, you go to Patty Casey, but um, you know, Pitt would be wise to pressure tonight because either way, you know, you would think that it's going to benefit them making Joe work, like knowing that he's got to play 40 minutes at the very least, making him work and trying to tire him out. We know we've seen that he's prone to making mistakes when he's pressured. Um, And then if he is out of the game, you know, obviously, you know, you go after buddy, go after Patty Casey, whoever's handling the ball. Um, I, I do they're think
2: gonna pressure Patty Casey.
1: That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I said, I'm saying Pitt would benefit from regardless of who's out there. They should pressure the ball is what, that's what I'm saying. Make Joe work. You know, even if you don't turn him over, just trying to tire him out. knowing he's got to play 40 minutes. Um, you know, make him work for everything. I, you know, I, I think that Pitt would be wise to do that. And then if he leaves the game, obviously you, you go after those other guys even more
2: yeah i i just i don't think that they should sub him out unless it's a hundred percent necessary they're an injury away from this season really going off the right ra- off the rails yeah. here quick you know i mean it's not great as it is but if joe gets hurt woof, you know then you're going to get all the patty casey you can handle
1: yeah i mean he's the one guy right now that you know, at least you have a backup in the other spots. You know, if Buddy for some reason couldn't play, you know, Beheim said they would move, you know, Cole to the two. Um, you know, you have some depth at the forward and center position, especially if Barama is able to give you some minutes, but you don't have a backup point guard now that, uh, you know, Samir Torrance is out. And we don't know how long he's out for. Let, let's hope it's not a lengthy thing. Again, for the, for the sake of him, first and foremost, it was good to see him starting to get minutes and starting to make an impact. Um, and it, it's unfortunate because he was finally starting to find his groove and his role on this team, and, um, you know, it's taken away. It was a, you know, meaningless play at the end of that Duke game with about three minutes to go. His, you know, his leg kind of slipped and, uh, you know, it injured his knee, and we'll see what happens, but uh, we don't expect him to play tonight. We From the sound of it, we don't expect him to play against Wake Forest, um, and we'll see how long, you know, this, uh, this absence goes on for. But, you know, to your point, Paul, you said, you know, let's not make a bigger deal of this than it, than it is to your point, they should still be able to beat Pittsburgh, whether Samir Torrance is on the floor or not. This is a, this is a game that they, they should win. And you're right. How many times would, you know, are we going to be able to say that the rest of the way, this is a game that they should win could win is a different story should win. You know, this is one that certainly falls under that category.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. And you need to win this one. And like we've discussed this a million times, like, I don't know what to expect anymore because you could lose every game also and it's a weird feeling to have as a syracuse fan normally when you're going into the bottom dwellers of whatever league they were playing in there wasn't a chance but there's there's always a chance they beat them twice
1: last year you know so that's right that's right um and you know you lose this one and then we can really start talking about uh, you know, whether or not a winning record is going to happen they're, You know, they, they're right. still kind of keeping their head above water. They should get back to 10 and 10 tonight. There's a lot of winnable games coming up uh, on the schedule before the next Duke game. Uh, but if, you know, if you lose this one tonight, then it's, it's almost like, you know, panic mode sets in, uh, in regards to the, to that particular aspect of this season, whether or not they finish with a winning record. 315-437-7644 is the number if you'd like to check in. Phone lines open all of our number one. Thad Brown from WROC in Rochester will join us at the top of our number two. We're back after this on ESPN Radio.
0: Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is Orange Nation.
1: Steven Fonzie, Paulie Sebelia back with you here on a Tuesday edition of orange nation. As we get you set for Syracuse Pittsburgh tonight at the Peterson event center. As we go back to our guest slide to bring on a good friend of the program. Anytime Syracuse takes on Pittsburgh, he's our go-to guy, Craig Meyer from the Pittsburgh post-gazette joining us now, Craig, thanks so much for coming on. How are you today?
0: I'm doing pretty well guys. Uh, yeah. It, uh, you know, my mood has uh, certainly been a there by the rejoin there. That's a fantastic song. Haven't heard in years. Uh,
1: <laughs> Glad that we can brighten your day a little bit. Uh, you know, both these teams are struggling, so I, you know, I, I feel your pain, Craig. That we're, you know, we're both covering a team right now that's that's struggling. Uh, Pittsburgh, seven and twelve, two and six uh, in conference play. We saw you guys just uh, what about a month ago. Um, you know, uh, or it wasn't even a month ago. It was four games ago. Uh, Syracuse wins that game inside the dome, seventy-seven, sixty-one. Since then, uh, Pitts played three games, lost uh, to Virginia and Clemson. Uh, they did beat Louisville, but they're coming off a uh, you know a tough loss to Clemson, that a, a game that really wasn't close. Um, you know, bring us up to date on this team and and you know what what has what what has been the main reason, I guess, for this team's particular struggles, Craig.
0: I think it mostly just comes down to talent. Like, this isn't a very, I mean, even going into, uh, even in the weeks leading up to the season, this is a group that was projected to, a, to struggle. They were picked second to last in the ACC in the preseason poll. And then in the week before the season starts, their second leading re- uh, returning scorer, Nike Sabandi, they lose to a season ending ACL tear. A few days later, their leading returning scorer, Ithiel Horton, is uh, is indefinitely su- uh, suspended after getting a, uh, after being involved in an off-campus incident. So, in a span of a few days, like they lose their top two scores from last season, and they've got to adjust on the fly. And you saw in that first month, there with them, like there were some struggles, like lose by double digits in your first game, you know, lose by fifteen to the Citadel. Uh, A few weeks later, lose by 10 to UMBC. um, And it's a team that just even though the results have gotten better, you know, since those, you know, since that really rough uh, first month, they had had still lost games at a pretty decent pace, but they were close games. I mean, they lost, they had three one point losses. Um, You know, they lost on the road to Louisville by uh, by three. It it, it was a team that despite their shortcomings, appeared to have sort of this tough kind of hardened identity. Um, And you worry now with them where, I mean, between the Q's game where they lose by 16, and then coming off a 27-point loss to Clemson, this is typically the time for Pitt under Jeff Capel where they start to fall apart a bit. Where they get off to decent starts and then see it all crumble. Um, And this year, they don't even have the uh, the benefit of there being a good start. I mean, I guess their kind of high point was beating Louisville to get to a seven and ten. They just they really have four guys who uh, who can score. um, we saw in the Clemson game there, um, you know, when uh, when one of those guys in that instance, uh, Muhammadou Guy, when he, he only gets three points, and in that game Pitt finishes with forty-eight. Outside of those four, unless a guy really just has an uncharacteristically hot day from uh, from beyond the arc, they really just have four guys, and uh, you know, in a game of five on five, that's uh, that's not a position that you won't, that you uh, they really want to be in.
1: You know, Craig, you mentioned the, uh, the, you know, the misfortune that they had before the season started with an injury and then the suspension. I I want to ask you about Horton in particular, who, uh, was suspended indefinitely, as you mentioned, and, and reinstated allowed to play in one game in the Louisville game. And then he was suspended again. What, what is his situation? And is, you know, is he a guy that is just kind of done with Pittsburgh basketball? Like, do you expect him back next year? Do you expect him back at, at some point this year or, or his days in a Panthers uniform probably over?
0: I'm pretty skeptical with uh, this year. Um, So he has a preliminary hearing tomorrow. Um, You know, he had been charged with uh, four charges. Uh, 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 One of them a felony aggravated assault is against a police officer uh, who had alleged that the the Horton had, had hit him. And, you know, he, his first preliminary hearing was set for like mid uh, November, ends up getting pushed back to late December. The officer doesn't show up to that hearing, so the charges get dismissed. Hours after that happens, Pitt, uh, Pitt reinstates him to the team. And then a few days later, actually, about a week after that, the officer refiles the charges. So Horton's played in one game. But then the charges get refiled like 90 minutes, uh, you know, so like 90 minutes before Pitt's game that day against Boston College, Pitt, uh, Pitt, uh, Pitt ends up putting him back on suspension. So it's just been a really weird kind of convoluted legal situation here. I mean, I think that there certainly is a path back on the team for him. I think if that felony charge, can, uh, you know, can get taken off the table, you know, at that point, he's just dealing with a misdemeanors like resisting arrest. Um, um disorderly conduct so i think at that point pick and take him back on the team because they can always fall back on the fact that hey this guy's been suspended or you know at this point for 18 games um but the timing of it where his hearing is is on january 26th i don't expect the case to get uh, resolved then um you know, and and then to that point, I mean, you're talking. There's only about a month left in pit season. So this season, I don't think that he will be back, but I can certainly see a road for him to get back onto the team and to be a, a productive player for them.
1: Craig, I want to ask you about John Hughley. Who's he's been? Uh, he's been a beast this year for Pittsburgh. He's he's been their best player. Um, you know, he's averaging almost 16 points, eight rebounds per game. We did not see the best version of him here in Syracuse. Uh, the Orange did a, a nice job on him that night, held him to eight points, eight rebounds. Uh, but he, he's he been pretty consistent for a majority of the year. What, what do you like about his game? And, uh, you know, what is the ceiling for this kid?
0: I think the ceiling is, I mean, I I think that if he keeps going on the trajectory he is, and I think part of this has to do with a team's uh, success, too, just because that's how these awards typically work. I think he can be a first-team All-ACC player one day. I mean, this year I would probably venture to guess he'll probably be an honorable mention, maybe third-team, but he's a guy who... He's kind of a bit of a throwback where it probably reminds Pitt fans here of some of the guys who played for Pitt in the 2000s, like during the program's best seasons. I mean, I don't think... At least at this point, I wouldn't say that he's as good as like a DeWan Blair, but you know he's a big kind of burly player. Really uses his his physicality to impose his will, get uh, get good looks close to the basket, draw a whole bu- a whole bunch of fouls. Um, you know he's even you know his stats don't show it, but he's a pretty decent outside shooter. He's a good. Uh he's a good post passer where he hasn't gotten to utilize that a ton this season because Pip does play a four out offense with him in the middle there. Um but you know, except a, but nobody on this team is currently eligible with it, it shoots better than thirty seven per seven from three. So it ends up those skills don't end up being that uh that useful and so he ends up getting double and even triple teamed a whole bunch. Um against Syracuse though, you know, Jeff Capel had talked about after that game where, you know, that I feel like that zone takes away some of what he does well where it's kind of almost like by design, a big guy like him who who really thrives on post touches and backing guys down. It doesn't I feel like that kind of of a defense doesn't I guess fall into that trap you know, of uh, kind of getting into those sort of situations. So um, it, it could be somewhere it's a bad matchup for Pitt. It's one of the reasons that I'm skeptical that a Pitt will win tonight. I don't think they will. Um, but he's certainly been someone in most of their other games. If he can stay out of foul trouble, he's been a force for him.
1: Craig, I want to ask you about uh, Jeff Capel, who you know had a lot of success at VCU, had some mixed results at Oklahoma, uh, but came here with designs on you know taking uh, Pittsburgh you know back into the upper half of the of the conference and and kind of staying there. And it just hasn't happened. Year four right now, he's yet to have a winning season with the Panthers. Just curious about his status there and his support from the administration and from the fans and. Um, you know, what, what are the thoughts on Jeff Capel right now is, you know, is, is his job in a little bit of jeopardy or, or do you see him staying there for a bit more?
0: I think a lot of it depends upon how the season finishes up. Um, there's certainly, there's kind of a mixed uh, reaction, I guess, where it seems like he has the support of the, of uh, the administration there. And for good reason, where they're really tethered to him, where that was, uh, you know, Pitt's Heather, like this was her big hire. It was her marquee hire. She made it. After being at Pitt only about a year, she pulled the plug on Kevin Stallings after two seasons because she wasn't the AD who ultimately hired him. But in Cable's case, she hired him, gave him a seven-year deal. Um, only about, I think, 14 games into his, his uh, second season, she gave him a two-year, ex- uh, two-year extension, so... If they do fire him, I mean, that would be – you would have to pay off five years of a contract. You would have an AD there who would be facing questions not only about her hire but why she extended him very early into a lengthy deal, like where he was hired with sort of the understanding, like you're taking over a dumpster fire. It's going to be a difficult situation. We're going to give you some measure of security and time to try to get this done. Um, fans, I think, want him gone. Um yeah, this is a fan base though that I guess you maybe can't. You don't necessarily want to cater too much to. Like there was an indication when they, uh, w- you know, before they ended up hiring Jeff Cable, where they they had talked with. Mark Schmidt, the St. Bonaventure coach and liked him a bunch and it got leaked that they were considering him and Pitt fans revolted you know, the AD's office got flooded with calls um, and right now, like, you know, given what Bonaventure's been able to do, especially given the difficulties of that job, like that would have been a good hire, although obviously when Campbell got hired, everybody thought that that was a good hire too so um, it's just been a problem for him where he's been able to get guys on campus, you know, two of his first three uh, three. Recruiting classes were among the top thirty in the country. The problem has been keeping guys. Where uh, Justin Champagne leaves after two years for the NBA, that's understandable. But where guys like Xavier Johnson and Audis Tony and Trey McGowan's end up transferring before their third season even finishes up, and they land at Power Five programs, like that's a problem. Like where where you can't hold on to guys like that, where you can't sort of maintain a stable locker room. Um, and then, uh, you know, and then you, you think about what this team could have been, had all those guys stayed, and they'd it, probably be in a drastically different position than they are right now. Last
1: one for you, Craig. We got about a little bit less than a minute left in the segment. Just as, as you look at at this matchup tonight, uh, obviously they, they played not that long ago. Uh, you know, within the last two weeks, Syracuse won the game by 16. Pick got off to a great start shooting the basketball and then didn't really make anything uh, after that Um what does this game come down to tonight from a, a Pittsburgh standpoint? What do you think they need to do uh, to pull this thing off?
0: I think involving Hugh, uh more will be really big for him. And I think trying to minimize or sort of neut- uh, or sort of neutralize the damage, um, you know, fr- uh, from the outside for Syracuse, um, in some cases given how poorly Pitt has been on the on the perimeter defensively, it may also just come down to praying that those shots don't fall for Syracuse you know for the Bayheims and for Gerard so um, I would say that those are probably their two best chances and when and when one of them comes down to praying for a for for a desirable outcome, it's uh it, you know you can't be feeling too too good by yourself going into the match um.
1: All right, 8 o'clock tip tonight uh, inside the Peterson event center between Syracuse and Pittsburgh. Craig, as always, thanks for the time. Uh, Great stuff. I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon.
0: That'll work perfectly, guys. Thank you all.
1: All right, there he is. Uh, Craig Meyer from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And with that, we'll take our final timeout here in hour number two. Stephen Fonte, Paulie Sebelia, back with you right after this on ESPN Radio.
0: Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on (laughs) QSportsTalk.com.
1: Are you sure you understand the risks of stock ownership?
0: Shut up and take my money. Sell! I'd buy that for a dollar. That guy's turning this place into some kind of business. I've been a rich man, and I have been a poor man, and I choose rich every time. It's time for Buy or Sell on Orange Nation.
2: It's Pauly Sebelia, Elizabeth with you, and we're going to do Buy or Sell with our producer, Jordan. He's going to come in, hit us with some of the biggest stories in sports and we're gonna buy or sell them liz and uh jordan what do you got for us today
3: all right guys well the hot topic on twitter today is the mlb hall of fame induction and some of the names that are going to be you know kind of controversial are roger clemens barry bonds and david ortiz so I want you guys to buy or sell those three making it into the Hall of Fame, and kind of just the differences between all of them as well, because their situations aren't exactly equal.
2: Go ahead, Liz.
4: Well, I interviewed Barry Bonds a couple of years ago, and I can't—I I mean, he absolutely, definitely believes he should be in the Hall of Fame, and it felt like when I interviewed Barry, it was at the California Sports Hall of Fame induction, and I, you know. Uh, he was almost like a campaign, like a sort of like, you know, a softer, nicer Barry Bonds campaign, right? Cause you know, he loves the media. You know, she loves the media. There are actually, there's quite a few people in the media he does like, um, but I absolutely believe he should be in the hall of fame. I think that if baseball wants to pretend they didn't allow all of that to go on, I believe the same of Roger Clemens. I believe the same of, of just about any great in that era. If baseball wants to pretend or the hall of fame wants to pretend that no one knew, they're ridiculous. And I think you have to accept uh, baseball for what it is. The history of baseball is the history of baseball, right? Now my dad is a purist, a huge, huge baseball fan. He would be hundred percent against what I'm saying. And he loved Roger Clemens, right? Because he's a purist in the way, you know, how much the records matter. But I would say, let's face the facts. There's a lot of unsavory characters in the hall of fame. Ty Cobb was a racist you know, he's in the hall of fame. We're not pulling him out. What's worse, a racist or a steroid user? Well, you would say the steroid user because it affects the records, right? I just think you have to recognize it for what it is.
2: Right. And I agree. And in that era for every Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, there was, you know, there was some no name play, you know, no name player that was also on steroids that wasn't as good. So I, I think they need to start putting these guys in and I I love baseball and I, I probably agree with your dad that they shouldn't, but they have to. And anybody that saw Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens before they started taking steroids, if you don't think they were good enough to make the hall of fame, you're crazy. You're crazy. And you know, Barry Bonds when he was playing with Bobby Bonilla and you know,
4: in Pittsburgh, right? He just wasn't great in October, but, but look, you're right what you're saying they were what was your choice at the time was what was your choice was your choice to stay off the roids and let everybody else do okay was that your choice what was your choice right
2: right and i i I can't see why they've learned their lesson it's time it's time to get them in if you need to put on the plaque that they played during the steroid era it you know i, I don't get the the issue with david ortiz J- just put him in you know he's never been caught with anything yeah. or, you know his his right. head didn't balloon up like everybody else's so i i think that he should they should all be in
3: paulie bobby Agreed. vanilla really really appreciate you mentioning his name without that mets contract being beside it so i'm sure he's very <laughs> happy about that um we're playing pittsburgh tonight paul I you're could, in pittsburgh i could have
2: I could have gone central New York's very own Andy Van Slyke, but
3: I didn't. But also talking Pittsburgh. Another one with Liz, you went to Pittsburgh as well. So let's talk Pittsburgh. I went to
4: Pitt. Yeah. I went to Pitt. I grew up in Pittsburgh. I just drove here from Pittsburgh on Sunday. So, um, yeah. What do you want to talk about?
3: Well, quarterback Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Paulie's been real, real worried about what the Steelers are going to do to replace him. Paulie even had the nerve to tell me he thinks Aaron Rodgers is going to go to the Steelers. But yeah. uh, what do you guys think is going to happen?
4: Paulie, honestly. Talk about this? Should I, I jump in on it?
2: No, we, we can both hit it. We're both Steelers fans. I think that if they don't get, you know, Rodgers or, you know, Russell Wilson or somebody, they're there's a good chance Ben Roethlisberger's coming back. You know, all the receivers have said they want him back. I I don't see them having any option but to have him back if they can't get a big name out of free agency. And I, you know, I don't know that Mitch Trubisky is going to, you know, be the um, answer that the Steelers fans are looking for.
4: How are I want them to get Rodgers or Russell Wilson, but what are they going to give away? Well, what's the cost for something like that?
2: Well, you could get Rodgers. I guarantee, you know, they've got the money now that Ben's gone. You know, I I, I think that they that's their only option, right? You're, there's no quarterback in the draft. The Steeler fan base isn't going to sit around and wait for somebody to mature. You know, Mason Rudolph and Doc Hodges aren't going to
4: be, be your answer. Oh, there were some there were some lean years in there with some quarterbacks, uh, you know, for the Steelers after Terry Bradshaw and between the time that they got Big Ben. Um I agree with you, Polly. That's their only option. They have to bring in a big dog or just forget it. Steelers fans aren't going for that, you know? They need something. Yeah, they
2: can name Mark Malone, Bubby Brister. I was I lived <laughs> through all those years. So it it wasn't pretty <laughs> I forgot about yeah.
4: Bubby Brister.
2: <laughs> i think i'm friends with him on facebook somehow there's a there's a humble <laughs> brag for you
4: <laughs> the 80s the 80s were torturous
3: <laughs>
2: what else you got jordan
3: we're gonna stick with the theme of get to know liz habib uh, you're the first woman to be the main sports anchor at an la tv station so let's talk la the rams from los angeles are going to be restricting their ticket sales to Los Angeles residents because they want to keep home field advantage against the 49ers. Debo Samuel was vocal against that on Twitter. Do you guys think that's kind of a low blow? Do you buy or sell trying to restrict ticket sales to keep only your fans there? I
4: buy. It. How, do you ret- it How do you do 100% that? How do you even do that?
2: I don't know. The the jo- <laughs> the Georgetown Hoyas did it uh, a couple years back for Syracuse fans. Like if you bought. If you bought the Georgetown Syracuse game, you had to buy three other games tickets was the way they did it to keep Syracuse fans from doing it. And I don't know how you keep 49ers fans out in a one game scenario, but I'm all for it. If you want to keep home field advantage, maybe you you don't let people from the Bay Area buy tickets. You have a you have a zip code. So, so,
4: so, so then people down in Southern California buy them and then they look and then they put them on for resale in the secondary market. It makes no sense to me. I don't know how you do that. Look, here's the thing about Los Angeles and everybody back in this part of the country likes to sort of rip on Los Angeles because of this. But you gotta remember these teams weren't there. Every game is full of tons of fans from the other teams. And why wouldn't it be? The place is beautiful. If you're gonna take a road trip, like you wanna go see the Bills somewhere and they happen to go to, you know, play the Chargers. LA would be a really great road trip, right? So. There, are t- the thing is, there are tons of 49er fans in Los Angeles. So in the eighties, they built up that that whole fan base um, when there was no Rams. Um, so so look, I mean, or it was I guess the nineties too, but that's sort of typical of Los Angeles to have lots of fans from other teams. I, you know, I've got I worked out there for sixteen years. I, I think it's more of a criticism on a national level than it is anything else. Maybe they don't like that. Are there
2: there Rams fans? Like, I know there's no Chargers fans. I grew up in San Diego, and they didn't follow them down there. Uh, Are there Rams fans, you know, technically? Yes,
4: Yes, there are Rams fans from from many, many years ago, before they left. What year was it that they left Los Angeles? Was it the early 90s? Um, 94, was it? So there are Rams fans, right? That's not that long ago. But what there is is a generation of fan missing. But what's starting to happen now, because the Rams have been good, because Sean McVay has been so exciting for them, that they're starting to get that sort of younger generation fan. So there are Rams fans. But look, I'm a Pittsburgh Steeler fan first. I was a sports anchor out there. I'm not necessarily a fan, like like a diehard fan, because I didn't grow up there. But I like to see the Rams do well. I love it.
2: Is is it uh is it an event to go to a Rams game like it is a Lakers game?
4: It's, you know, it's a different type of fan. It's a thing. It's like a to be seen, you know, to be seen. Where are the celebrities and who's gonna be seen and who's gonna play the halftime and what who might you run into? And then that stadium is really magnificent. SoFi is like nothing I've ever seen. It really is magnificent. It's got like, you know, a tequila bar. It's got a champagne bar with a big crystal, you know, chandelier um, coming down. It's just this really beautiful place that's sort of very frou-frou kind of the future of what stadiums will look like you know, so it's one of those, it's like a status thing, right back here, we're like hardcore down in our bones and look at how Steve feels about the bills. And that's kind of how we are. Right. But the Rams stunk in the super bowl against the Patriot Patriots a couple years ago, and it was ho-ha. Right. So it's a different type of fan. <laughs> a Lakers fan is a, you know, people go to Lakers games with binoculars, not to watch the people on the court, to watch the people around the court. <laughs>
3: Jordan, anything else? I do have something Lakers, but we also do have Drew on the line looking to talk Hall of Fame. I'll let you choose, Paul. You want to talk Hall of Fame or take a Lakers question? No, callers are our number one uh,
0: important.
2: So let's go to Drew.
0: Take it away, Drew. Hey, Paulie, I got to take one shot at you because here's what you, you always say is that a foul is a foul. It doesn't matter when it happens. Well, if you cheated, you cheated. So I guess that's what I wanna say is like you listen, Barry Bonds, uh, Roger Clemens, they cheated. They cheated, right? So, so be, at the end of the day good. at the end of the day they cheated. So do they deserve to be in? No, they don't. Because they cheated. Pete Rose is not in the Hall of Fame, and he he didn't even cheat. The, well, he, I guess he did, did cheat the game, but but that's all I gotta say, Paulie. I'm just joking with you. But I, it, again, if they they cheated, they cheated. If it's a foul, it's a foul. Yeah,
2: I I don't know. I like I said, for every you know, for every Barry Bonds, there's a Craig Lefferts that was probably doing you know you know, or 50 AAA players that were doing the same amount of steroids. So it was an era, put an asterisk next to it, you know, I, and I, I think Pete Rose has paid his dues, too. They, they've humbled that guy enough, you know, put him into Put an asterisk next to a game. He bet on his own team as a manager. but He's still got the most hits in history. You can't just, like, whitewash history.
4: Drew, you're right. He che- They cheated. There's no question they cheated. Baseball allowed them to cheat. Baseball needed fans. They needed people to watch. That's my argument on it. You're right. They cheated. Everybody cheated. The managers cheated. The owners cheated. The people who run baseball uh, cheated. Um, Bud Sealy could have put an end to it. He didn't. And it, so it was allowed to go on. And I think that's where my argument stands on that. But you're right. They cheated. You have a very good friend. His name is Eric Dickerson, Hall of Fame football player. You know what Eric Dickerson always says? If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying.
2: <laughs> right. They... They needed to cheat at that point. They're coming off a a year where they missed the Hall of Fame or the World Series, and they needed to do it, and they did, and they just turned a blind eye to it. It's time all these guys get into the Hall of Fame. Jordan, your final one.
3: Yes, I do want to get one more in. Just because we're talking Lakers, there have been questions about the aging LeBron James's workload, and he had a response to that last night which i don't think made any sense and i want you guys to buy or sell it he said i don't understand that because i was 18 years old saving a franchise do you buy or sell lebron talking about his responsibility at the age of 18 when discussing his current workload 20 years later
2: yeah i buy it if you work hard at 18 it's gonna catch up to you later in life right he that guy say you know like went out and played tons of minutes early on because he was on a horrible team. Yeah, it, it, I buy that. It makes sense to
3: me. But then wouldn't that mean that you would disagree with what he's saying?
2: Uh, now you now you're just
3: conf- I don't even understand what me. he's
4: saying.
2: He I think he's saying that he was when he was 18, he was carrying a franchise by himself so he's playing less now. I think that makes 100% sense
4: how about he's just old <laughs> by baseball, yeah, TV, true, by standards how about we just face the facts right like look the d- dude's got you know a lot of mileage there's been a lot of mileage put on that dude you know who cares what he was doing at 18. let's all just face the facts you get older and it ju- you just don't move as fast as you used to you think you do but you don't
3: I know uh, I know I don't yeah. always make 100 percent sense to you Pauly but Bugs Be Gone makes 100% sense if you're looking to remove pesky pests from your home or workplace. If that's what you're trying to do. You can hit up the people at BugsBeGone.biz. That's Bugs Be Gone with two E's, of course, just like the bug, which is exactly what I do to Steve, Paulie, and now Liz every day on Orange Nation.
2: Thank you, Jordan. We'll be back. Uh, we'll talk a little gambling, and we'll talk about uh, winning an Emmy Award and what that's like with Liz next on uh, <laughs> ESPN Radio, Syracuse, Utica, Rome, and QSportsTalk.com.